voices together as we sing our first song. We bring the sacrifice of praise.
to 
close and our head bowed let's just turn to the Lord in prayer and in praise can we just come together and worship him in spirit and in truth and let's just give ourselves to him all of ourselves everything that we have right now at the moment 
and we surrender to the Lord. And as we praise and worship, let us also pray. Let us yield our hearts to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. In Him, there is true freedom. In Him, there is surrender. In Him, there is freedom in worship. So with that, let us come together. Let us worship Him in spirit and truth. Let's worship together. child of God to worship to know the image of God to know that we have been created in your image you have called us to do good works for your kingdom I pray Lord you will restore us God back to a place where we have passionate hearts for you God that you are our first love that we will not forget God where we have come from Lord as we grow older may we grow in humility I grow in bitterness and my pride and be blinded by our own ways, by our own agenda. But when we truly surrender all that we have, God, to feed all God we need. I desire to be your, to be a worshiper of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Spirit coming everywhere you Teach our hearts to be more like you, Lord, to be like you, O Lord, to walk. According to your will, God, to be your hands and your feet, Lord, we love you and we need you. Holy Father, we love you. Oh, Lord, we need you. Oh, by your grace, oh, by your mercy, 
Nothing I want, Lord. Nothing else I need to be your worship, to humble ourselves before your holy presence, oh God. I think you'll be. anyone among you in trouble let them pray is anyone happy let them sing songs of praise Lord, as we have gathered here in your house oh Lord we have come to do two things to pray and to praise you Lord we love you we need your touch this very morning 
as you transition now to the message, I pray, Lord, that may the words of my mouth and may the meditation of all those hearts who will be listening here today. But may it be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, and we declare today, Lord, that you are our rock and our redeemer. We thank you. We love you. Give you all the praise and all the honor. May the name of the Lord be glorified here in this place. Pray all of these things. Your precious Son, just c r s t me pray. All of God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. All right, God bless you. Uh, before we begin, let's just clap and give a big hand of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord uh, this morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord here today. Today, we're going to, again, skip over our Real Faith series. And even though this is found on the same chapter, James 5, uh, verse 13, and we're going to get there as we return, resume back to our Real Faith series. But today, I just wanted to speak to you once again from my heart, as I spoke to you from my heart last week. And as we are in this season of this new year, I believe that this message is very fitting for us to hear this very morning. And I pray that you will truly surrender your heart to the Lord and that your heart will be receptive to hear the message that the Lord has in store for us this very morning. Amen? Amen. So with that, let's turn to our main passage. And our main passage this morning is found in James chapter 5. Verse 13, James chapter 5, verse 13. It's a very short passage, but this is what the message, the word of the Lord says here this morning. James 5, 13, it says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Are you? What is the answer? The Bible says, let them pray. Is anyone happy? This is the answer that the Lord gives us to the book of James. Says, Let them sing songs of praise. So the title of today's message are the two P's. The two P's, pray and praise. Amen and amen. The Bible warns us to not navigate this life without Him. It is very clear. You navigate your course, the waves of this life without Him, You will forever be lost. Even though you may find success, land in this world, you will never have made it. You are never truly successful because the Lord is not with you. But you need to walk with the Lord, and the Lord needs to be in your life. He needs to be the one, the captain. He is the skipper of your life. He is the captain of our ship, the captain and the leader of our life. We need to navigate this life with Him and never without Him. Because the Bible says without Him, we become paralyzed with what? With fear, with shame, and worst of, all, worst of them all is what? Pride. Pride takes over our lives. We become paralyzed in our pride. In other words, we don't see anything else other than o u r s e l f And when we put ourselves as the God of our life, There's no room for God. The Lord cannot be the Lord of our life, especially when we're navigating this life 
and pride. So the enemy wants nothing more than for you to be paralyzed by your fear, shame, and pride. So through the book of James and this short verse, the Bible is teaching us today to turn to the Lord in what? In prayer and in praise. When? When? What is the context? It is when you are suffering. And how easy it is to pray and praise when things are all good in the neighborhood. It is easy. But it is when in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of suffering, when things are not going your way, that's when, we, when the Lord calls us to pray and to praise Him in that single moment, in that difficult moment of your life. But when life becomes difficult, what happens to us humans? We tend to lose all hope. And when we lose hope, we become sick. That's why people who are in their hospital beds, people who are in prison, they're not really too healthy because a lot of times when you're sick, when you're in prison, you have lost hope. And when there's no hope, there's no future. When there's no future, there's no tomorrow. There's no hope for our lives. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, verse 12, hope deferred. What does the word defer mean? Delayed. When hope is delayed, what does the Bible say? It, says it makes the heart sick. But a longing, hope fulfilled, is a tree of life. In other words, hope in the Lord brings us life. When there is no hope in God, there is death. And the scripture is teaching us that when we turn to the Lord, hope and life are restored back to you. If you're hopeless today, turn to the Lord. Turn back to Him. Then hope and life will be restored back to your hearts. And hope comes back to our hearts and we are no longer lost in hopelessness. Rather, we become hopeful. So the question, so how do we restore hope back to our lives? When we undergo difficulties, here's the answer. The answer, point number one, I only have two points for us. Point number one is this, we pray, we pray, we pray. However, I want to go in the opposite direction, be a little bit on the defensive. However, we never pray, we never pray what, with what? Letter A with proud hearts. In other words, pray with humility. We never pray with proud hearts. Proverbs 8 verse 13 says, To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. So we understand that the Lord hates pride and he is against pride because pride is the single greatest barrier that will come between you and the Lord. When a heart is proud, there's not much the Lord can do for your life. I'll say it again. When a heart is proud, there's not much the Lord can do to that person because the Lord has given us the free will to choose him. He will not force you to choose him, but when there is pride, there is a barrier that keeps us from drawing closer to the presence of God. So God wants us to rely on him only, but a proud person will rely on him or herself. Therefore, they will no longer need God. They do not have God. They cannot have God. That's the recipe. It doesn't go together. You cannot have God when there is a single ounce of pride in our hearts. We need to break down pride in order for us to draw near to the presence of 
God. For pride elevates and exalts the person. Not the Lord. Never the Lord. For pride blinds us from seeing our own faults. Everyone else is always at fault. And I am never at fault. I am always right. We need to humble ourselves before the presence of God. Luke 18, verse 9 to 14. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. It says, To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Who is he speaking to? To the proud, to the person, to the individual, to the leader who is full of pride. He says, To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. He says, Get down from your high horse. He says, Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humble, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Amen and amen. Amen. And then James 4, verse 6, but he gives us more grace. More grace to who? That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. When we're humble, he gives you more grace. When you're proud, you're rejected. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. James 4, 6, amen and amen. So we never pray, letter A, with proud hearts, letter B, with phony emotions. We're living in a time, ladies and gentlemen, where the devil and Satan has deceived us with phony emotions in worship at church. We think that we come to church, we have little tears here and there, and we pray emotionally and we think we're okay. Hour later, we're back to our old ways and we have never truly transformed. A lot of young kids, they go to church, they go to retreat, they cry, they cry their eyes out. It's all an emotional journey. And then they go back and they're the same. And in fact, they're worse than before. Because the devil has tricked us into thinking that emotions is the foundation of the Christian faith. That is not the case. And we cannot be deceived by phony emotions. You and I, we need to understand that when we worship God, it is an act of the will. It is a choice that we make each and every single day. Just as love is a choice, just as forgiveness is a choice, it is not an emotional thing. It is not when I feel like it, but we do it because it is the right thing to do, and it is the heart that the Lord has given us, and it is the fruit that comes forth, and it is the choices that we make that honors God. It is a decision that you make. So do never pray, and do not pray with phony emotions. Why? Because Jeremiah, prophet Jeremiah, what does he say in chapter 17? This is a passage that we're all familiar with, specifically verse 9 to 10. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. To reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. That's why we need to lead our hearts 
not follow my heart. You lead your heart in a direction that honors God. We honor Him by making that choice today. Not out of emotion, but out of the free will of the heart. The decision that you have made, I will live today. I choose today to live for the Lord. And many pretend to care and pray like hypocrites pretending to care for the things of the Lord. That's not what God wants. Some people care deeply, but do not turn to the Lord genuinely out of pride. A proud person can care, but they still put themselves first. Either way, we need to turn to the Lord with humility and with genuine hearts. We need to understand our hearts are deceitful. That in any moment, our hearts can be deceived by our emotions. So ladies and gentlemen, please don't follow your emotions. Your emotions are not the foundation of the truth. The Word of God is the foundation of the truth. It's not about how you feel. It's about what you know. What do you know? Today, I know my situation is difficult. I know it's raining outside. But I know my God is alive. I know I am here to worship Him. I know that I've come this far because of Him. Without Him, I wouldn't be here. Without His discipline, where would I be? Without His love, how would my life have turned out? Therefore, I humble myself. Today's worship is not about me or my circumstances or what I'm going through. It is about you. And I worship you in spirit and in truth. So what do you know, man and woman of God? What do you know? Not how you feel. What do you know? Never pray with phony emotions. Matthew 6, verse 5 to 8. On topic of prayer, Jesus said this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. That's their motive, to be seen. What's their motive? To look good so that they can be elevated. Wow, that person is so holy. Look at the way he dresses. Look at the way he's pre he preaches, he prays, the way he worships. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. That is your reward. Your reward is the applause of men. And it is gone. Applause is gone. It will fade away. It will echo away. You have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray. Not with your camera on and pray and post it on the internet. Go into your room. Close the door and pray. To who? Your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. It's not about how many words we speak, but it's about what we speak. Do not be like that, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So may your words be few. May the words of your mouth be few. But may your heart be full and filled with the love of God and the desire to honor Him and to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Proverbs 26 it says, enemies disguise themselves with their lips, right? People 
Her thoughts, they hide behind what they say. But in their heart, they harbor what? Deceit. So their speech is charming, like Satan. Do not believe them, for seven abominations fill their hearts. Let's talk about sin. Their malice, verse 26, may be concealed by deception, but their wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Eventually, meaning the fraud will not last in their walk with the Lord. They'll eventually fall away. In other words, they never have faith to begin with. But those who have true faith will show true consistency and will be consistent in their humility, in their worship before the Lord. Amen. And amen. So never pray with phony emotions. Let us see. Never pray without anticipation that God answers, that God will answer. Never pray without expectation that God answers, that God will answer. What do I mean by that? Anticipation meaning expectation, hope. In other words, to make it simpler, we pray with expectation that God will answer. That's what I'm trying to say. And God always answers. He never leaves an answer unanswered. He always answers. If you look in your life right now, look back to last year or the year before, or the year before that, go back to the beginning when you're a child, when you remember the first time praying in your room, right? Whatever you were going through, that first time when you prayed. God has always answered your prayer. Every time, God has always answered. He always answers, and he will always answer for the rest of your life. He may not say yes right away. He may not answer quickly. That doesn't mean that he hasn't answered. He will. There are prayers that we're praying to God, and he hasn't answered yet, but he will answer. But we pray not to get the answer, but we pray to seek him because we have a relationship with him. And when we pray, it does something within our hearts, within our soul, within our spirit. Why do we pray when God already knows what you already need, what you already want? We pray because prayer leads us to humility and having a right relationship with the Lord. Prayer is for you. It is not for God. It is for your life because it keeps us grounded and rooted in the Lord. So the scripture teaches us to pray. Pray always in trusting in what? In his perfect will. And I'm going to get to that point later. And the next point is his. It's about his perfect will. It's not about your perfect will, but it is about his, God's perfect will. That's what all throughout scripture, Psalm 37, this is what David says of David, starting from verse 1. It says, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret. 
when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. So as you pray with anticipation that he's going to answer, we what? Focus on verse 7. Be still before him and you wait patiently before him. Amen and amen. Luke 12, verse 9 to 13. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, what? Receives. You will receive that prayer. Believe it. Know it. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be open. Now maybe, maybe not, but it will. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amen. And then in John 15, verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be what? Done for you. Period. Given. So again, never pray without anticipation that God answers, that God will answer. Letter D, never pray with our own will in mind. Never pray with our own will in mind. Our prayer should never be, Lord, let my will be done. Please help me to fulfill my will. But Lord, it is your will for my life. Amen and amen. Every human being here, we all have our wants and our desires, right? We all do. There's not a single person who doesn't have that. Does it does not mean that it is all part of God's will, just because I have my own desires and wants. What we need to do is we need to pray for His will to be done in my mind and in my heart and in our lives. That's why it says in Matthew 26, verse 38 to 39, Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed. Just Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane, before his crucifixion, before he dies on the cross, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Meaning this is so hard. I feel like I'm dying and I am dead inside. Stay here and keep watch with me. He's telling the disciples to pray. Going a little further. He fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup, in other words, the cup, this destiny, this call that you have placed in my life, may this cup be taken from me, not yet not as I will, but as your will. And as Jesus prayed for God's will, for the rest of our lives, we need to live the rest of our lives praying for God's will to be fulfilled in my life. What is the will of God in your life today? What is it? We need to fulfill it by His help, by the calling that He has placed in your life today. And you need to be able to recognize what that is. What is it? Some of you don't know. We need to ask the Lord to reveal that truth to us. Bring that revelation into my life, Lord. Romans 12, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. In other words, don't think like the way of this world. 
Don't think like everyone else in this world who wants to go to college, who wants to make a lot of money, they want to open up a business, and that's it. They want to live a happy, comfortable life. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but what? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve. You need to have a new set of mind, new set of eyes, a new set of heart, a new heart. So you may be able to test and approve what, what? God's will is. And God's will is perfect. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. My will is filled with a lot of holes. It's filled with a lot of selfishness. But Lord, your will is perfect. Which one do you want to choose? Your own will for your own life, your small, finite life, where you choose the will of God, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And lastly here, letter E, never pray with ungratefulness, with ungratefulness. This is very important. In other words, to put it simply, as Christians, we must always give thanks to the Lord. You need to pray with gratitude, with gratitude. God calls Christians to worship Him with thankfulness. Even right now, as we're going through hard times, He wants you to be thankful for the difficult season that you're going through. In all season, whether it's good, so-so, so somewhat good, very good, we need to turn to the Lord with thanksgiving. In all seasons of our lives, if a Christian turns to God with thankfulness only when he or she receives everything is a shallow Christian, maybe not even a real Christian, for it is the complete opposite of Job syndrome. What happened with Job is terrible, but he was a true worshiper. He was a true worshiper that turned to the Lord with gratitude. He had gratitude in his heart. Job 1, the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming around throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. What a cheesy character, right? Verse 8, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And then Satan is questioning, does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? Meaning he's only following you because you have blessed him with so, much, so many things. You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. He only loves you, God. Because he has all the riches, he has everything in his hands and his fingertips. But now, he's testing God. Stretch out your hand and strike everything he has. Satan speaking, and he will surely curse you to your face. God knowing Job's heart, God knowing the future, God knowing who Job is, who his son is. He said, fine. The Lord said, saying, very well. Then everything he has in your power, has is in your power. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord to what? 
to, to attack. And the Lord also brought trials and testings in Job's life. And what was the end, the end result of Job? What does it say throughout? Say, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. In other words, he turned to the Lord with gratitude. I will praise you. Though you slay me, I will praise you. Though you take from me, I will bless your name. I will sing to the one who's all I need. Amen and amen. So we understand through the book of Job and throughout many other characters in the Bible, suffering allowed them to draw near to God, but the core of that was thanksgiving. They understood that suffering refines our faith of greater worth than gold. We've read these passages throughout the Bible. Trials are tests. Trials have purpose. There's attack from the enemy. And ultimately, what is it for? It's to prove the genuineness of your faith. The genuineness of a person's faith is that in the midst of suffering, what is your prayer like? Is it, Lord, I hate you. I'm going to turn away from you. How dare you do this to me? Or, Lord, though you slay me, yet I will praise you with thanksgiving. We turn to the Lord with thanksgiving. As it says in Colossians 3, and I'm almost done. I have just three scriptures for us, and let's just follow these scriptures together because I'm, I'm finishing up this point, this sub-point. It says, Colossians 3, verse 15 to 17, Let the peace of Christ ruin your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And what? And be thankful. In other words, whatever you're going through, through the good, through the bad, you will have peace. And in the midst of peace, you will have thankfulness. Peace, being grateful, gratitude, thankfulness, they all go hand in hand. Pride, bitterness, Anger, they go together. It cannot go in the same language, in the same category as a Christian. We cannot have, we need to have one or the other. We have peace and we are thankful. No matter what our circumstance may be. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through what? Psalms. Hymns and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with what? Not with bitterness, but with gratitude in your hearts. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving what? Thanks to God, the Father, through Him. Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. First Thessalonians 5. We usually do from verse 16 to 18, but I want to do 19 because 19 is, is very important. What does it say? Verse 16. Rejoice always. Let's all read it together. Ready? One, two, three. Rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And what does it say? Verse 19, all together. Ready? One, two, three. Do not quench the Spirit. When you do not have rejoicing, when there is no prayer, 
And when there is no thanksgiving in your difficult circumstances, your spirit will die. It will be quenched. But when there is rejoicing, praying, and thanksgiving in all circumstances, especially when things are difficult, and that's God's will for you, your spirit will always be filled with the presence of God. There is no vocabulary of, oh, I'm burning out. Oh, I've exhausted myself. I can't do it any longer. Each day you will find renewed strength from grace to grace, from glory to glory. And your spirit will never be quenched before the presence of God. Amen and amen. So again, point number one, answer. How do we, the question was, how do we restore hope back to our lives when we undergo difficulties? The answer was what? Number one, we pray. However, we never pray, letter A, with proud hearts, B, with phony emotions, C, without anticipation that God answers, D, never pray with our own will in mind, and E, we never pray with ungratefulness. And lastly, point number two is the same thing, and we're not going to go through all of it because I already went over it with you in point number one. So again, the question is, so how do we restore hope back to our lives when we undergo difficulties? The answer is, point number two is we praise. So praise, okay? That's the message today. Praise. Can we say that together? Ready? One, two, praise. Okay, good. We pray and we praise put together. And then we put it in the same thing. However, we never praise, letter A, with proud hearts, B, with phony emotions. Same thing with praise. A lot of people love praying. They're crying and they put some eye drops. And like, ah, God is with me. That's phony emotion. You make that choice to worship, C, without anticipation that God answers, D, with our own will in mind, E, with ungratefulness. Whenever we pray and we praise to God, when we praise God, we turn to him with humility, with fact, foundation as the word of God, as our foundation, with anticipation that God's going to answer, with his will in my mind, and with gratitude in my heart. Amen and amen. So two Ps today, pray and praise. Pray Amen and amen. Sounds like a Korean title, right? Praise. Praise. Okay. Let's bring the praise team. Uh, please come up. And before we close our service, I want us to just really just take a very short uh, few minutes, not too long, because we had time to pray in the beginning. But I want us to turn this message and with this season of our life right now, with what we're going through, and I want us to turn to the Lord with worship, with prayer and praise before the Lord. And what the Lord is teaching you as you are growing in your faith, man and woman of God, listen to me. He's teaching you today to be mature in your faith that in the midst of difficulties, to what? To pray to Him and to praise Him. With what? With gratitude.
So right now, we're going to put into practice what we have heard this morning. We're going to put into action what we have heard this morning. What we're going to do right now, despite what we're going through and whatever we are going through, we're going to turn to the Lord with prayer and with praise this very morning. So right now, as the praise team, we sing the song in the background. What I would like for you to do. You don't have to have many words, but with few words and with true genuineness from your heart. May your words be few. May you pray to Him in truth, in spirit, and in truth this morning. Let us pray and praise together. Let us pray together.
To our feet, to worship together. To worship you, I live. To worship you, we live. To worship you, I live.
Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Yes, Lord, we obey your word here this morning. Despite what we're going through, no matter what we are going through in our lives and what is happening around us, we will pray and we will praise you in spirit and in truth as the word of God is our foundation. We give you all the glory and all the honor and may the name of the Lord be praised not just in our lives but here in this church. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things. In your precious son, just cross me pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. With that, let's just transition to the final song and with our final prayer of benediction. service with a benediction. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, do not remember the sins of our youth and our rebellious ways, but according to your love, remember us, for you, Lord, are good. And now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling Present us blameless, pure, and holy before his holy presence. And may we know and encounter the the unending love of the Father. And may the Lord continue to pursue after us, guide us, and lead us forevermore. And as God's people we pray, amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you. I will see you all in the back. God bless you today.